Hi, I'm Ben. And I'm Lucas. And we are two aspiring filmmakers making unnecessary commentary on famous movies. Each week, we will randomly select a film to analyze, discuss, and review. We will select the film at the end of each podcast, so you will have ample time to watch the movie before the next episode. We are slightly qualified film students. Hello! Hello! Yo, yo! Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, we're coming in strong today with a pretty classic film. Um, yep. A film that is recognized first... uh, worldwide as one of the, you know, quote-unquote greatest film uh, ever made. Yeah. It's on uh, all of those top 100 lists. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it's our first Scorsese film, uh, and both of us are huge Scorsese fans, as I'm sure a lot of people are. Um, one of the greatest directors of all time. And yes, I think yes, this yes. is widely considered to be one of his best um, films. Obviously, he's directed, you know, over 20, so it's kind of hard to, you know, pick mm-hmm. his best because everyone's going to have a different opinion. But, yeah, you know, this is definitely in the conversation. Raging Bull, um, 1980. Yeah. Although it was more of a passion project for... De Niro rather than Scorsese even um mm-hmm. yeah and a, a lot of it is really De Niro's vision uh but he's you know just good friends with Scorsese and wanted to yeah know, well, he wanted Scorsese to be the one to direct it De Niro um <clears throat> wanted to make this film because it's based off of uh memoirs uh written by Jake LaMotta the the boxer that this film is based off of and it, it the film yeah. is based on his memoirs and de niro had read those memoirs and he had came to scorsese prior to taxi driver wine to make this film um yeah and i guess scorsese just he's he's not a fan of sports in general and he just didn't really have interest yeah. in making this film um but then scorsese almost died um from an overdose. Of a drug overdose. And yeah. I guess he just had a new light and a new thought, and he looked at this film in a different way as it wasn't a sports film, but more of like a, I guess, kind of this redemption, but also this just um, cathar- cathartic experience for him to make it. Um, yeah. And you can tell he, he poured his heart and soul into directing this film. Mm-hmm. For sure. He was nominated for Best Director... Mm-hmm. Um, this film was widely nominated at the Oscars. Uh, I think it was nominated for eight Oscars. Yeah, and it won Best Editing as well as Best Actor. Um, did it win anything yeah, else? Yeah, unfortunately, it was the same year as Ordinary People. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've never seen Ordinary People. Me neither. Um, so I can't comment on whether or not I think that this should have won, but I think it... I don't know. This or The Elephant Man um, were in the same year. Right, uh, yeah. And I've heard kind of mixed reviews about Ordinary People. I'll definitely check it out. Like, I don't want to s- make the claim that this should have won when I haven't even seen Ordinary People, but mm-hmm. I think it's a, definitely a debated topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I'm going to read the plot summary here. Um, mm-hmm. So, a middleweight ascends through the ranks to achieve his first shot at a boxing title, uh, but his personal life laden with paranoia, jealousy, and rage, scuttles his professional growth. That is the plot summary of Raging Bull. What do we think? Yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. Um, Although, you know, I think that this is 
kind of less about his, um, like obviously it's uh, involves his boxing career a lot, but it's really more about his character progression and just him as a person, um, and kind of how the his wanting of being a successful boxer impacts his like his social life and his home life. Right. Um, yeah, so I think the plot summary is pretty, pretty spot on. Yeah, I thought th- this was my first time watching this film. Um, it's been on my uh, to watch list for a very long time, so I'm I'm kind of glad the wheel landed on this, so I was able to you know actually yeah. say okay, let's go and sit down and watch this. Um, and I, I didn't I don't I didn't know a lot about this film going into it, and I really was expecting more of like a Rocky type film. Um, yeah, kind of like a sure. your your normal boxing film, you know, whether it's Rocky or the Fighter. He's gonna he's gonna come out on top, and yeah, you know, he's yeah. and it's gonna be about him training, about him trying to get up there. And I mean, there's aspects of that sprinkled into this film, but uh, most of this film is it's it's a raw character study, and it is yeah. it is uh, about masculinity, about insecurity, about jealousy, about rage, and it's all wrapped around this it, like. It, it, very problematic uh main character yeah it's a there's a lot of parallels between this and taxi driver um Mm -hmm. and really even in the characters of travis bickle and in jake lamada um just in the way they live their life and uh robert de niro is a great portrayer of these very toxic people yeah um yeah i and also, this film was Joe Pesci's first real appearance in anything mm. of note. And uh, I'd just love to thank Raging Bull for uh, pretty much creating the Joe Pesci that we know and love today. Um, yes. Absolute legend. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I kept, when I was watching this film, I kept thinking, kind of throwing parallels to Taxi Driver. And mm-hmm. they're both really interesting character studies, but the thing that I was like, this film crafts such a like horrible person. Jake Lamada, he's not very redeemable. Like when the film ended, I didn't feel any empathy for this character. Yeah. Uh, whereas I, mean, I don't think you're supposed to. No, you're not supposed to, which is interesting. It's very like um, uncanny because usually when you watch a film, there's you know, there's some redeeming qualities, or there's at least, you know, there's something that wraps it up that you, like, feel a little bad for this character, but this entire thing is just about this, just this not, not, he's not a very good person, whereas, you know, Travis Bickle, at least Travis Bickle, he, he kills a, he kills another bad guy, yeah, he's trying to help this uh, child prostitute, he's trying to, like, there are qualities, even though he's messed up, and then there's also the fact that we know that he's, he's a veteran, so he has, like, uh, PTSD and all that stuff. Whereas Raging Bull, yeah. it's like, what, what is up with this guy? Um, and it's very mm-hmm. interesting to look at. It might not be, uh, uh, as entertaining for a certain extent because maybe you're not, you're not, um, connected as much with the character, but it is very interesting right. to look at and try and study the character. Um, totally. Yeah. So, uh, what was your standout scene? First time watching this mm-hmm. going in completely blind um yeah what was your standout scene from the whole thing it's a pretty long film so you got a lot to choose from yeah uh okay well i mean obviously the his last fight is you know one of the most renowned iconic ever it's so iconic Mm -hmm. um but 
I mean, the scene I loved is uh, when um, Joe Pesci as Joey um, beats up Salvi at the club. Yeah. I oh mean, my God! No it, way! It's such a classic. It's it's classic Pesci right there. I mean, we've and seen classic Scorsese. Yeah, too, it's honestly. classic Scorsese. But we've seen this um, repeated in many of Scorsese's films, whether it be Casino, Goodfellas, or even his yeah, latest, uh, The Irishman. Yeah. Joe Pesci that's just he's this explosive guy where in a second he's your best friend and then he's slamming your head between a taxi cab's door um mm-hmm. and but there was something just incredible about the scene not just the cinematography and the location of this restaurant in the crowded place and just how chaotic it was but it felt different than all the other Joe Pesci beat up scenes I've seen before it just felt so I don't even know how to explain it, but it caught me by surprise, even though, like, I've I've seen this happen in many other Scorsese films. It's not a new thing that I haven't seen before, even though, you know, it was right. kind of the first time uh, for actually for this to happen. This is Joe Pesci's first work with Scorsese. But I I don't know. It just it was it was so interesting to look at how the camera was moving, how it was edited. Uh, just Joe Pesci's overall acting ability in this scene and it felt like uh, not just Joe Pesci being a on-edge character but it actually felt like he brought a lot more depth to this character than he did in some of his other works and I I just for sure felt a lot of emotion in that scene and it was just beautiful fun yeah entertaining I love that scene yeah I I had that definitely, I kind of have two written down, um, and that was actually one of them. I didn't really think that was, I thought that was going to be more of a controversial pick, but yeah, I just think that scene is edited really well, um, and it just kind of almost marks the descent into craziness that the kind of second half of this film uh, explores. But for me, I think I have to go with... um, uh, the t- when Jake gets the championship belt for the first time, that fight, uh, opening with the long tracking shot of Jake going from his um, locker room or whatever you want to call it, walking all the way to the ring, um, and just the fight and uh, you know him realizing that he did it. You know he's the middleweight mm-hmm. champion of the world. Yeah, it's just a. It's just a great scene. I, I love the way it's shot. I think it's one of the best shot scenes in the entire film. And I love its editing. I love me a tracking shot too. Yeah. And uh, just when I think of Raging Bull, I just think of that slow motion shot of the referee walking over to mm-hmm. De Niro and then tell, you know telling him he won the fight. And just the, just the slow motion reaction of Jake. It's one of the few times in the film that he's happy um you know it's his it's kind of the success and you know like you were saying instead of in rocky you know that might be what he gets at the end that's like barely even halfway into this film Mm -hmm. is his big boxing success and then it goes downhill (laughs) well rocky didn't Uh, even win until rocky (laughs) 2 true uh yeah i i like that scene a lot um i'll go with that although you know, I can pretty much group all of the boxing scenes into that category of really well shot and really well edited. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All of the boxing scenes are really impressive. Um, okay, um, let's move on to some audience questions then. Sure thing. 
I, I like that this is becoming a repeated segment. Uh, make sure you guys keep sending questions and we'll keep answering them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so we got some questions that are a bit more directed towards this film, which is awesome. Um, Great. For, first question. Uh, there are many visual and thematic clues that imply Jake's redemption and salvation, possibly. Possibly. Do you believe Jake finds redemption or salvation after the end of this film? Like, uh, redemption... Uh, okay. I see, I see. Yeah, I I guess, you know, I, I kind of like the uh, open-ended nature-ish of the ending. Mm-hmm. Um, with him reciting Marlon Brando's... Uh, you know, quoting that monologue from On yeah. the Waterfront and, the waterfront. like, kind of referring to him and his brother, mm-hmm. uh, his relationship. And to be honest, I I really don't know if Joey and Jake, uh, you know, be, mend their relationship or if Jake mm-hmm. mends his relationship with anybody because, really, he crashed, he, you know, he falls hard and... Uh, yeah. does his life after boxing is not a very good one uh i know in real life jake uh obviously did kind of rebound and mend things Mm -hmm. so i guess if we're looking at this from the the memoirs it's based off of slash real life then yes uh but i yeah I, i guess i don't i don't really no. <laughs> right. <laughs> See, I was thinking no. And the reason right. why I was thinking this is because of the final monologue. And he, he chose to recite a monologue uh, that is very blame-heavy. Uh, the yeah, monologue is sure. very focused on blaming his brother for all of his faults and stuff. And I, yeah. just, I just thought that that was a big symbol that they're saying that even though all of this has happened and he's had time to think about all of his mistakes, he's still blaming his brother and he's not actually taking ownership. And, um, also that last interaction with his brother, with, uh, Joe Pesci, it's very, uh, cringy to a certain extent because he's, he's trying so hard to, to get his brother to, to forgive him. And yet, you y- you just have a feeling that he Joe Pesci isn't going to forgive him. Like there, oh yeah, for it's sure. it's very rooted in like he's still just he doesn't like him anymore. He's not someone that he he trusts. He's not someone that he sees in a good light anymore. And I think that um, that scene and the final monologue kind of says that at least Scorsese was leaving it ambiguous. But I think that it was kind of this idea that I don't think he is gonna you know get redemption right. this was he he just fell into this pit and he, it's going to take a lot of work for him to get out of that and i think that morally that idea that he doesn't get redemption works for the story for sure mhm um it's almost like a cautionary tale uh you know of this character's mishaps and you know obviously he's his morals are definitely skewed and i i agree with you that the choice to recite that monologue is yeah very blame heavy so yeah i guess i agree with lucas in the at least in terms of the story um no i guess he doesn't 
probably he probably doesn't uh salvage his <laughs> yeah relationships yeah okay so next question is very similar to the question we got when we did goodwill hunting but instead of robin williams we got de niro now another uh Right. Okay. Huge achievement in performances. This is a, what is your favorite Robert De Niro film? And what is your favorite Robert De Niro performance? Okay. For uh, film and performance, same thing. I'm going to have to go with Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Meet the Fockers all the way. Oh, true. Uh, damn, that's a really tough question because Robert De Niro is very prolific uh mm-hmm. but i'm gonna have to hmm you know what it i think that my favorite de niro film and performance are actually the same and it's taxi driver uh mm. i think taxi driver is it's you know one of my favorite films of all time i would say for me it's my favorite scorsese film uh and it's yeah, I think it's definitely Robert De Niro's best performance. Um, and I think it's my favorite film by him, too, or with him in it. It's just... It, it's just... It's just the Scorsese film to end all Scorsese films. It's it's yeah. so unique really and is. important and just a I've great been. example that you don't need a huge budget to pull off a legendary uh, film and... Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, I, I, I had, I don't, know, I don't know what to say about this question. It's really hard. I mean, I love Martin Scorsese. I've seen, you know, I, I, I probably have seen fifteen of his twenty-two films or something like that. I've seen a lot of his mm-hmm. work. He's one of my favorite directors, and I mean, De Niro's in a lot of them. Whether it's Goodfellas, Casino, Taxi Driver, or even this Raging Bull, or even uh, his last film, The Irishman, I mean, I love them all, and it's really hard for me to choose my favorite. Um, Performance-wise, yeah. though, um, I do think Taxi Driver is a fantastic performance, but the one that, I don't know, I always think about for some reason is The Godfather Part Two, Robert De Niro uh, as young yeah, Vito for Cordo. sure. It's a fantastic performance. And he's taking, you know, Godfather Part Two. We're coming off of one of the greatest films of all time, The Godfather, where Marlon Brando he won the Oscar, and it's one of, you know, one of the most well-respected performances. And he had to yeah. play a younger version of him, and he he might have done it even better. Like he comes in mm. with so much power, and even though yes, this is Al Pacino's movie, Robert De Niro sticks with me way more. In Godfather Part mm. Two than Al Pacino. Yeah. When I think about the second Godfather, I think about all the De-, De Niro scenes, and I think that is one of his most breathtaking performances. Taxi Driver might have been a more interesting performance, but just all around package, Godfather Part Two, and yeah, favorite yeah. film. It's really hard for me to decide. I think entertainment wise, I love Casino. Casino just entertains yeah, me so sure. much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Casino um, is by far like definitely more entertaining than Taxi Driver for sure. Yeah, I yeah. agree. So that. I'll say that. I'll say that for favorite film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like Casino a lot too, but I don't know. Taxi Driver just kind of hits. It just kind of hits a nerve with me. It's just low budget and incredible yeah Mm -hmm. i i think his performance is just so it's just almost surreal 
it's it's so believable. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay, our last question. This is a little less based off the film, but uh, in general, what is your favorite sports movie? Well, I think Raging Bull is definitely up there for sure. Um, huh. That's a that's a good question, because I think that a lot of the sports films that I would consider to be the greatest are almost less about the sports <laughs> and more a uh, you know this kind of style, uh, almost character studies. I might have to say this. I might have to say Raging Bull. Um, I think Raging Bull is one of my favorite films of all time and i just can't really like what's your favorite sports film lucas um my favorite sports film uh probably fox catcher i really love mm. that movie um Fair it's enough. the wrestling yeah. film steve carell yeah, Tita, mark ruffalo uh i i just love that For film sure. not only because it's a really entertaining sports film but also it's a really interesting character study about mental abuse about and it turns into like a murder film like it's it's a very good film but also moneyball i think moneyball is a fantastic uh sports film just when you're looking at just pure sports you know like a pure real sports film like there's lots out there and there's lots of really cheesy ones but moneyball kind of took the whole like just raw raw sports film and changed that kind of perception of them and really right. made a really interesting and educational film. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a hard question because you could look at that in so many different aspects. Like like Raging Bull, for example. Um, if I say Raging Bull, you could argue it's not really a sports film because we don't even really see the boxing matches in full ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, though, that Moneyball and Foxcatcher are really good sports films also. I think in general, yeah. though, it's definitely a weaker uh, genre. But Yeah, I think especially when it's just the f- sport is the main um, part aspect. of the film. It's like, Where, just go watch you know, actual sports. You, yeah. Actually, you know, what, you know what else is a good sports film now? It's Goon. Goon. That's, <laughs> I actually that's love Goon. Goon. The first. I Goon. love Goon too, and that one's more based in actual sports um, and hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I I guess I don't really have a specific answer, but I think those are a good four. Nice, nice, picks. nice. Yeah. Well, um, let's take a quick break, and then we're gonna come in uh, hot and ready for the review. back we are back coming in uh, with first category story and originality, story and originality. 10 percent okay yeah uh this is a pretty unique boxing story and i think it's an important story in the careers of scorsese and de niro um it, it's it's scorsese's first sports movie even though you know he he, he talked about how he hated sports and wasn't really interested in making it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's more than just a sports movie, obviously. I think it's really a story about 
toxic masculinity and paranoia and distrust um and just a really great character study of this the character of jake lamata yeah like this this film is based off um the real life story of jake lamata um it's sort of based off his own memoirs that he wrote um that de niro brought to uh scorsese um while they were shooting taxi driver and it even though it's based on a true story it's still very original and it's something that was very new um to hollywood in the 80s um you know the 80s were just full of um you know when you think about 80s movies it's like very lots of rom-coms lots of high school teen flicks and this was like a very refreshing film something that was like very artsy stylistic very dark um and you're following a character that uh is an awful human being like there's there's as we were saying before, yeah. we, he, he doesn't really get any redemption. So it's more of a character study than, you know, you don't go into this film being like to enjoy it. You go into it to study it and to like enjoy the visual, yeah. um, everything visually. But it's not something that you like are going to connect to or like feel bad for this character. Yeah. It's not like a and it's not like a Rocky type boxing film where the focus of the character um, or the focus of the film is the boxing you know this isn't a story about him becoming uh the champion mm-hmm. like yes obviously that happens in it but the actual focus of the story is more about his personal life um and the emotions that he's experiencing as he tries to make it as a boxer uh which is a very refreshing take on a for a sports film to have because a lot of the time um you might have elements of personal life but you know obviously like the climax is going to be the the championship fight or something uh where the Mm -hmm. character will win the fight and have a happy ending um and this is the opposite he he loses viciously uh and does not have a happy ending which i think is Mm -hmm. a great um way that the story plays yeah it's a it's very uh new for the sports film like concept like newer sports films have taken this like uh the wrestler fox catcher even moneyball following like a team that loses like it's starting to pick up but back then 80s 90s even 70s it was just full of very hollywood sugar-coated sports films where you're just following a team lead their their way to victory and it's it's very uh you know predictable and all of that stuff yeah i think this is a really really cool story it's uh an enjoyable watch and you know i don't think it's perfect but there it's it's pretty good and very original uh i give it a nine out of ten yeah same here nine percent out of ten uh great great story let's move on to the beginning um yeah wow amazing beginning yeah as uh i i love this beginning i mean this was the first time i watched this film and uh coming into it that opening shot i mean oh my god like the film opens and you're you're brought into it right away it's such a beautiful shot to start off with the opening credits it's yeah it's gripping yeah it it like grabs your attention right away and you're just watching uh de niro in in like a silhouette sparring in this like fog filled uh boxing ring and there it's like it's kind of like a metaphor for him like being inside this cage and it's like it's one of the greatest opening credits and there's no one in his corner he's all alone um 
it's just yeah it's just a, a really cool shot one of the best opening shots uh i can really think of in terms of the actual opening shot mm-hmm. and yeah it's it actually makes for a, a good opening credit sequence like yeah i think it's one of the first times where i've been entertained during the opening credits uh cuz i mean the score the the cinematography just everything about it is it's just it's just a great way to open the film, uh, and then it leads right in to the first fight um, after Jake LaMotta's uh, monologue. You get a taste of his monologue, and then it boom right into his first fight, mm-hmm. uh, and boom you get a taste of the editing, the grit. Um, you know that this isn't gonna be a you know a glitzy film like right off the bat you got blood and sweat flying everywhere. Uh, and vicious punches being thrown um and i just really love the way it opens yeah i agree it's super fun and entertaining i mean it does slow down after the first like 15 minutes but just this opening like you know first two scenes it's super fun and also we follow the boxing uh match right into like him yelling at his wife and then that great scene with him and joe pesci uh punching each other in the face so you get like this opening like 15 minutes that's just solid solid filmmaking um i think it's you know it's a really good beginning um it sets up the story in a very like original way i like it i gave it a five out of five yeah same here five percent uh it's it's really no question for me like i think the first act has problems but in terms of the actual you know 15 minutes first setup uh it's it's near perfection yeah okay so let's uh move into the ending which is also out of five um yeah i really like this ending great ending yeah it's a good and uh Scorsese, um, you know, Jake goes out. Scorsese's just yeah, Scor- he's yeah, not he's, a great uh he's not great at ending films in general. And I'm a huge Scorsese <laughs> fan. It's true. I've seen a lot of his movies and I he's gotten a little better um in his last few films like Shutter Island, uh The Irishman even or uh, The Aviator. Like he's he's getting a little better at ending movies, but especially like his films from uh 70s 80s and even 90s he's he's just not great at ending a film he likes his voiceover narration he likes to explain every little detail that's happening um he he does the parasite he does the parasite yeah he does the parasite for ending a film uh goodfellas taxi driver uh casino even gangs of new york they're all like that um, so I was really surprised when this film ended because uh, it wasn't what I expected, and I really liked this ending. Uh, it was very ambiguous. It was very cool. It gave me goosebumps. Yeah, I I agree. It's it's a very powerful monologue, and obviously a very purposeful choice um, for his character to recite Marlon Brando's monologue from On the Waterfront. Uh, and it really does just cement his feelings uh, towards his brother, to even towards himself and his career. Um, and, like, the ending is pretty slow. Uh, you know, obviously, after he retires from boxing, it's it's a good 25 to 30 minutes of almost like the, the come down uh, and, you know, seeing his, his later life. But I think that this is a really solid way um, to end his story, Jake LaMotta's story, uh, 
because it really just hits you with the fact that he doesn't really change um and there's no real redeeming moment of you know him becoming uh making like making up with his brother or anything Mm -hmm. um his final encounter with his brother is still awkward and uh it's obvious that they're not gonna really reconcile yeah and i really like that yeah i like this (laughs) and it might just be that i was a little uh i might just be a little clouded here because i was expecting a really bad ending and i got something that was completely unexpected but you know what i'm giving it a five out of five i really like this ending yeah, I gave it a 4%. It's definitely a high 4. Um, I think that the ending 30 minutes just kind of, like, since I've already, this is my second time seeing it, they've just played out a little slower. Um, and since I already kind of knew what was going to happen, uh, I don't know. It just it didn't really do it for me as it did the first time. Uh, but I think it's a very, very solid ending. Just not quite perfection. Okay, now we're going to head into screenplay and dialogue, which is out of 8. Hell yeah. I think that there's just something about the New York fast-paced dialogue that's just so appealing to me. I absolutely love it. Um, In pretty much all of early Scorsese, just a majority of Scorsese, he has that style. Um, It's very quippy. Uh, You have characters uh, casually throwing out obscenities, you know, that kind of thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it really fits these characters as well. Um, and just the way the dialogue is written in general is super entertaining. Uh, and it really has to be because this film is very long. And despite it being a boxing film, there's not that much boxing. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of dialogue scenes. And the mm-hmm. dialogue really does carry the entertainment value for this film. Because there's just so many great conversations and jokes and funny moments. Uh, I think the dialogue is done super well. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I like the dialogue in this film. I think it's funny, but it's also um, menacing. Um, I I do think that sometimes the delivery of dialogue could have, you know, been a little quicker. Uh, Could have cut down some of the time on this movie. But overall, I think it was really well written. Um, The screenplay is really interesting. the last two acts i think are really really strong i i do think there's some scenes in the first act that were maybe a little bit unnecessary but overall i think this is a really strong screenplay and actually one of scorsese's better screenplays from his earlier films yeah yeah for sure um obviously excluding taxi driver Mm -hmm. i mean although that's more of a that's a simpler screenplay in a way when you have less yeah. uh, characters. Yeah. But yeah, I I really like that the, the dynamic that Jake's character has. Um, it just, there's so many moments in this film uh, where a scene will have so much tension behind it because this character, Jake LaMotta, could just snap and do something crazy uh, at any moment, really. So you're almost being, you're just really tense while you're watching him. Every time he's on screen and he's, you know questioning his brother like oh like what what, like where was vicky last night or or whatever um it just feels Mm -hmm. like he could explode at any moment uh and his slow almost descent uh down into despair is just very rewarding to watch play out 
the character progression that he has, although he doesn't learn anything, but just the stages of his, uh, his, his career and his mental well-being, uh, is just, it's just a very rewarding screenplay to watch play out. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that, you know, even though this is a boxing film to a certain extent, they focus a lot on, uh, you know, Jake's, Jake's overall mental well-being, his insecurities, his jealousy, you know, all of his desires, uh, all of his doubts. And it, it is very focused on his character, and it's something really interesting to analyze. I think this would be a really cool character to analyze. Um, and it, it's, it's pretty, it's just, it's just smart, you know? Um, yeah. We're taking something that could have gone the rocky route, and we're going a more like, just intelligent way. I guess it's like it's like a mix between Taxi Driver and Rocky. You're getting you're getting the you know fun boxing sequences, but you're also getting this very in uh, in depth character study, and I really like that. Um, yeah, I, I do think there are some slow parts, but overall, I think it's a solid screenplay. I gave it a seven out of eight. Yeah, I gave it a 7% out of 8, too. That first act is a little slow, but aside from that, there's really not that much wrong with it. Um, yeah, it's solid 7. Uh, now let's move into soundtrack, uh, in this case, the score. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's very quintessential Scorsese, not a lot of it. But when it's there, I think it's very, uh, very good. Um, I really like how light and airy it is um, because it really contrasts the dark subject matter of the film Uh, and the the few times where he does let the score kind of take center stage it's quite beautiful and I think it complements it nicely Uh, however there's only two pieces um, that are kind of reused almost like Taxi Driver uh, and occasionally, you know, they'll reuse it, but they'll mix it very quietly and just have it playing very faintly in the background during a dialogue scene. Uh, which, you know, it's it's not my favorite uh, use of score. Um, and a lot of the film is has no score or soundtrack behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which I think serves actually works well in this case. Uh when you have a film where the dialogue is the main focus, you don't always want good music playing behind it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I really like the theme song of this film. I think it's beautiful, but I, I, I personally think it's overused. I think that if you use a song like more than three times in a film, it all of a sudden starts to lose its impact personally. Like, if you're going to repeat the use of a song, repeat it for a reason. Like, uh, The Place Beyond the Pines, you know, when they repeat that song to show the, you know, the repeated images on screen. You know, yeah, that's they, a powerful they repeated way to, it to repeat make me cry. a soundtrack. That's, that's why they did it. Yeah. Where, whereas this, it feels like they just didn't bother making any other score. And then they're just, you know, throwing it in whenever they needed some music. And I don't know, I just find that a little lazy. Even though it is a beautiful soundtrack you're able to make, you know, some more of them that still sound similar, but are, you know, have a little bit of a different melody. Um, yeah, and even though, yes, this film is, a lot of it is silent, and I do like that. I do feel like, especially in the first act, there were definitely some scenes 
where I would have liked a little bit of music, even if it was just practical music, like playing on a radio, just a little yeah. bit to maybe up the entertainment of some of those scenes. Um, sure. I do think that the actual music used in this film is above average, but just because there is so little of it and they reused a bunch of the same scores over and over again, I don't feel like I can give it higher than a four out of seven. Yeah, I gave it a 5% out of 7. Uh, it's a bit of a lower 5, but just really some great uses of the score. Like, for example, the opening credits or even the montage. Uh, kind of segueing the first and second acts. Just the things like that uh, just boosted up a bit for me because I really like the use there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not an amazing soundtrack by any means. Uh, 5%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So uh, let's move into production design, uh, costumes and set, which is out of 6. Sure thing. Uh, I think that the set design and the costume design um, are pretty strong in this film. Um, especially the set design in the clubs and the bars. Uh, it's just very intricate and detailed and really just gives that almost like a, a low-life mafia kind of vibe. Um, like, yes, they're fancy, but, you know, a lot of the characters that Jake LaMotta is dealing with are, you know, some, some sketchier figures in the uh, the boxing world. Uh, and I just like the, the whole gritty vibe that this whole film has, which is obviously included in the set design. Um and in terms of production design, too, the boxing ring sets that they built are really, really uh, well done. Um, they built them so that they could contain the smoke, the artificial smoke that they mm-hmm. use in many, many scenes uh, during the boxing. Yeah. And, yeah, I just it's a very nice touch, uh, and I think that it ends up working really well. Yeah. I thought that all the costumes were really solid. Um, I do feel like they could have maybe uh, got a, a different array of some suits because like, there's some scenes in the restaurants where all the guys seem to be wearing like very similar suits. I would have liked to see a little you know, different style just to you know, change it up a bit. Uh, but overall, pretty good. I think that the, the lighting is very cool in all the boxing scenes. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that it really was able to show the production design, like, especially the, the rings that they made and, you know, all the smoke that they were using, um, all the boxing rings that they use in this film are different sizes in order to kind of be like a metaphor for, uh, Jake Lomato's mental state, uh, which is pretty cool. You know, the size of it being different and showing like, uh, where he is in his life at the moment. Um. And yeah, the clubs, the restaurants, all of the set decoration in those scenes is fantastic. Um, and those were some of my favorite uh, scenes in the entire film. I just loved looking at all the like stuff going on in the background in all of those restaurant sure. scenes. Um, yeah, I think the production design is really solid in this film. Um, it could have been a little better, but overall, pretty strong. Uh, 5 out of 6 for me. Yeah, same here. 5% out of 6 Let's move on to location selection, also at a 6%. Uh, Yeah, I think this is pretty similar. Uh, We're getting a lot of pretty good locations, um, especially the restaurants and clubs again. Yes, a lot of it is upped by the set decoration, but just the overall look of all of them, the architecture, is really strong. Uh, The apartment that Jake LaMotta uh, 
lives in. They actually used Jake LaMotta's real apartment at the time. So huh. that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And, you know, the outside shot of it, like when he's he's walking out and his wife is yelling at him off the balcony, uh, is really cool location. And, yeah, I think most of the locations are really strong. They fit the world that we're in. Uh, there weren't any that blew my mind or any that really caught my attention, but I think overall it's pretty strong, the location selection. Yeah, I agree. I think that really what this film has is just consistency between its locations. I didn't really feel like there were mm-hmm. any lazy selections. Um, they were all very purposeful and they all worked out really well when paired with the cinematography uh, even in Act 1, when things might be a little slow, I really like the locations, like, the, I don't know, the mini-golf that they go to, or uh, the hotel with the pool that everybody hangs out at. I just like the little locations mm-hmm. like that. They just add some nice outdoorsiness to this film, uh, because a lot of it takes place in very like dark, moody interior interiors, uh, so yeah. I like those bright yeah. moments. Uh yeah. yeah, I think it's 5% out of 6. Nothing insane, yeah, me but too. just very consistent. Yeah, 5 out of 6. I like it. I like it. So uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come in with our second half of our review. We're going to hop into cinematography. Okay, and we are back. And we're heading in back into with cinematography, cinematography, which is out of 10. Probably one of our favorite categories. Yes. Because um, we're film nerds. We like to look at this kind of stuff. We do, we do, we do. Uh, and I, I really love the look of Raging Bull. It's, it's very high contrast, black and white film. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just gives this super gritty aesthetic to the visuals of this film. Um, especially during indoor scenes. Uh, like I said, during location selection, I liked the outdoor stuff. Uh, but to me, that's when the cinematography was weakest, just because of such, like, the look that they had going while they were indoors. Like, once you get that kind of faded film, black and white outdoors, it, it just doesn't look as good when you have all these really cool boxing uh scenes that have super high contrast and then you have this very low contrast outdoor stuff like, yeah that's true they, they almost dug themselves a hole by making such cool looking shots inside uh because then the outside stuff doesn't look as nice yeah but, it, it's but like, like when they're inside though it's strong it's true but i would i would have liked them to just you know work the lighting a bit better like of course it's beautiful in the boxing ring the lighting is amazing. But, I, I mean, like, have yeah. that concept and then keep it going throughout the film. Kind of like Enemy. You know how Enemy has a very distinct look and it keeps it going throughout the entire film? Yeah, like, totally. They could have they could take taken the whole, like, palette and look of the boxing scenes and just carried it through the whole film. And all of a sudden, everything is just going to start looking way more gritty. Um, and all they had to do was just yeah. throw and some harder lights I on. think they do it... I think they carry that vibe pretty well during, like, the bar sequences. Yeah. Um, or the clubs. But a lot of the daytime of scenes... lit they are. I would have yeah, just liked, you know, some harsher um, lighting, some nice shadows, a bit more contrast. But I think that the cinematography uh, 
in these moments with amazing lighting, creating that amazing contrast makes up for it. Just because of how much eye candy there is in this thing. Uh, how many boxing matches are there again? Is it eight or eight? Eight, but there's, there's four of them are yeah, like very eight. short. Yeah, yeah, but in the eight boxing matches, you know, I mean, it's just pure visual satisfaction. Uh, this the the very pure black background with shutters going off or sorry flashes yeah. going off, um, mm-hmm. and just the hazy aesthetic of the film when they have all this smoke in there just adding on to this mood that we've already built um and then to be honest my favorite shot sequence is the final fight just Mm. when jake is getting absolutely wailed on yeah i do Um, love that it's it's got these very psychedelic qualities to it almost because of these like weird angles they're taking and even the dolly zoom on sugar a robinson Mm. uh right and just their choice of shots you know they got like blood splattering on all the people in the florent row and then it it cuts back to like a shot of his legs like i just really love the way that they shot that scene so much that i could i could watch it um for days on end (laughs) i think it's just such a unique style for this boxing film uh that really i've never seen in any other boxing uh movie uh just the way that they shot them you know, they have the camera very close to the characters. They they got Michael Chapman to get into the ring uh, with De Niro and his opponents just to get those really close-up, almost POV angles. Um, and yeah, I just really love Michael Chapman's cinematography. He met Scorsese when they did Taxi Driver together. And I love the look of that film, too. Uh, and I love the look of this film. I think it's very very strong and one of the most stylized films of scorsese's career yes it is very stylized and it's very innovative too uh for the time you know using these dolly zooms lots of pans and tilts black and white um but the dolly zooms i mean the final uh boxing sequences it's such a recognized uh scene and it's talked about and you know anywhere you go anytime you talk to someone who likes film or just look at any any website talking about film they always reference you know that scene because it's so uh interesting not only through the use of editing but just how it looks and the different camera movements they use for that scene and all, all, i just wish that they used more camera movement in the other scenes i mean for the most part all of the scenes that are outside of the boxing rink are very static um tripod rule of thirds kind of shots and that's not a bad thing but i i do think it would have been more interesting you know if this film had some handheld, if this film just had some, uh, a few more tracking shots, it has one, but it, you know, it's only a minute long. And I, I, I think overall it's a good looking <laughs> film, but I just would have liked more movement in the camera just to make it a bit more interesting, uh, a little bit better lighting, but the boxing sequences are so good, um, that they, they make up for this, you know, they're so good that I, I can yeah. boost this mark up. Um, and there's really nothing wrong with the boxing scenes. The only thing is maybe there's a couple shots where, you know, you can see that the hits aren't hitting, but other than that, it's very stylized and it just looks really good. Um, yeah, I gave cinematography an eight out of 10. I think it's very strong. And because of how revolutionary it is, uh, it deserved to be boosted up. Yeah, I gave it a 9%. I agree with Lucas, but I just wanted to boost it more (laughs) because it's sick. 
and awesome. Uh, let's move on to editing though, which is at eight percent. Oh, I love the editing uh, in Raging Bull. Um, it won the Oscar that year uh, for best editing, um, and I think it was totally deserved. I mean, the editing in this film is not only very technically strong, but they have a lot of creative choices in here that really emphasize the style of the cinematography. It, it just really makes... The, like the two go hand in hand so well that the film really comes to life uh and obviously this is especially present in the boxing matches because you don't you not only have these super gritty um shots being taken but you the way that they're spliced together is just so fast paced and uh yeah like i was saying almost psychedelic in nature uh that it really just makes these scenes so captivating and entertaining and just really astounding for 1980 uh yeah i mean obviously the rest of the film is edited technically super strong but to me what what i notice most is just the super creative stylized looks of the boxing matches um yeah i really love it how they cut to the the, the flashes i mean it's just mwah. Yeah, th that's true. Um, uh, this film is edited by Thelma Schumacher, who has been editing pretty much every single Scorsese film he's ever done. Um, uh, they they've been doing working together since his very first feature film. So uh, by the time Raging Bull came around, it's like his fourth or fifth film. Um, they kind of knew what they were doing. They were able to bounce off each other, and there is a reason why this film is is so well edited and. A lot of it is shown through the boxing sequences, just how chaotic and uh, and and how sparse all the editing is. You know, cutting to slow mo and then to uh, just uh, slow motion and then regular, and then cutting to lights flashing, blood splurting, uh, breaking the one eighty rule. There's so much chaos in those boxing sequences that they're some of the best edited uh, pieces of cinema. Um, I do think that there are some technical errors in the editing, even though the editing is really good. There's some continuity errors, especially there's a scene where he's giving stand-up um, and the audio um, jump cuts. And it's little things like that that I'm like, oh, you, you know, you just had to JNL cut. You just had to fix it up a little bit and that would have been fine. So it's just little continuity errors um, that's bringing this rating down a tiny bit for me. But overall, the editing is uh, really good. Uh, I would have liked a little bit more contrast on some of the more um, uh, outdoor daytime scenes, but overall, I agree with you. It's some great editing. Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 8. Yeah. Yeah, I I just... I really had to give it full marks. It's my first time giving a film full marks for editing, I think. it It just really stands out to me as one of the most technically sound uh except for you know a few continuity errors and maybe some issues with the sound mixing and foley mm -hmm. but overall it holds its own technically at least for the time uh and it it really just adds these creative splashes that really boost the entertainment value in my opinion and the artistic flavor uh, of as of the film as a whole Okay, uh, and I think enough, that without the editing style, yeah, I think that this film would have been that much worse. So yeah, full marks. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a beautifully edited film. Uh, maybe I didn't think it was as good as you did, but you know, 
This I I do recognize. We're not going to see eye to eye all the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's move into acting. Hell yeah! Which is out of ten. This this film has some very solid performances from both Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. They give the best performances in this film. Uh, and thank God yeah, for this they film do. because it basically Definitely. introduced Joe Pesci to the world of acting and to Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we all know how that worked out. He made some uh, some incredible films with him down the line. So we have Raging Bull to yes, thank did. for the wonderful Joe Pesci. And he gives such a good performance in this. Mm-hmm. Um, he really does. And I know everyone talks about Robert De Niro's performance, which is amazing. But for me personally, I was way more captivated by Joe Pesci. For some reason, he was just, I felt like he was just giving it his all. And even though it is a character that we've seen many times uh, that Joe Pesci has portrayed, whether it's Goodfellas, Casino, or even The Irishman, um, I still, I found this one to just be slightly more grounded. And it felt like he had... um, he was more three-dimensional than his other characters. Yeah. Um, even though he still is, like, a loose cannon, and even though he's still playing that character who can, you know, go off the rails at any moment, he seems to have a lot more heart, a lot more depth, and especially in the second and third act of this film when he becomes more of a family man, he, he starts to have a lot more morals, and he starts to feel empathy for a lot of the other characters. And I just found his character super interesting, and I thought Joe Pesci did an incredible job uh, portraying it. Um, but yeah. I also think, you know, Robert De Niro just does a phenomenal job. His monologue at the end, that jail cell scene, he gives one of his strongest performances here. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, De Niro's performance is just incredible. Uh, obviously, the weight loss and gain um, and everything in between mm-hmm. was impressive and really just showed his dedication to the project you know, as he was the one that brought the script uh, or the memoirs to Scorsese originally. But I don't know. I just, I really, there's something about all the performances in this film that's just so solid uh, that is a bit rare to find in a Scorsese film, to be honest. Um, I feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. the supporting characters just aren't cast as well uh, in a Scorsese film. Like, he'll have his main ensemble of absolute talent, um, but the more supporting characters just won't be as good. Uh, But in this film, I think all the performances across the board are really, really solid. Um, It's not quite perfection, uh, but, I mean, overall, Mm -hmm. this film is a very slow-paced film, and it relies heavily on the acting and dialogue to keep itself going and to keep the audience entertained. And it really succeeds. Um, and the actors are really able to bring the dialogue to life and just just really execute solidly. So I think it deserves a 9% out of 10. Uh, you know, it's not necessarily perfect, but I think it's very, very strongly acted. Yeah, I agree. I also gave it a 9 out of 10. I think it's solid. Uh all the supporting characters were good. Um, the one that stood out to me was Lorianne Flax, who plays uh, Jake's first wife. She's not in a lot of the film, but I felt that she was keeping up with Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro, which is a hard thing to oh, do. Yeah. She was giving it her all. Um, I really liked her performance. And yeah, all the supporting characters, Vicky, um, 
Salvi, they're all just strong. Um, even though some of them don't really have a lot to do, they, they, they give a pretty good performance. I mean, there's a few characters here and there that, you know, it's not amazing, but overall it's, it's just a strong cast. Um, yeah, I agree. Nine out of 10. All right. Let's move into entertainment value at a 10%. Um, I think this one scores a bit lower. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty slow film. Um, like there are the mm-hmm. short bursts of energy you get when during a boxing match or even just Jake doing something uh, crazy or having an outburst. You know, it gives you those bursts of energy. But there's a lot of very slow talking scenes. You know, this definitely was a film that I would have hated uh, as a kid um, just because of how much talking mm. there is. Um, and now I can appreciate it. Uh, a lot uh and i think that even though yes there's a lot of talking like i think it's entertaining but at the end of the day if you have a two-hour film driven by dialogue chances are it's not necessarily the most traditionally entertaining uh film of all time yeah i agree and you know your dialogue has to be really good for it to keep that entertainment value like for us we gave it you know, uh, a seven out of eight for screenplay and dialogue, which is, it's pretty good. Um, but like, if we look at Goodwill Hunting, which we both gave a nine out of eight for screenplay and dialogue, there's a reason why that film's uh, a lot more entertaining, even though it is all dialogue, is because the dialogue is so gripping. And yeah. um, even though this film is really well written, uh, the dialogue just isn't there to carry all of those um, dialogue heavy scenes. They're still entertaining to a certain extent, but it does, uh, f- you you feel the slowness of some scenes, especially the first act. But yeah, like overall, I think this is a very entertaining film. Um, I-, I do feel like the first act is pretty slow, and I- yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, the, f- the first 30 minutes after like that opening 15, I was a little bored. And I think that was the first time in all of the films we've done so far that I was sitting there and I was genuinely... Uh, I was feeling bored. I I wasn't into it at that moment. But after the little montage scene um, where we see Jake and Joey grow up a little bit and they get married and have kids, after that point, I felt the movie picked up immensely and I was in it. I was ready to go. And even though the third act is a little slower, I, I still really enjoyed it and I was entertained. Yeah, for sure. So really the only thing bringing it down for me is there's a few slow scenes sprinkled in and definitely the first act is bringing it down. But overall, I do think it's a fairly fun film, and I enjoyed watching it. Um, yeah. yeah, I gave it a 7 out of 10. I gave it an 8 out of 10. Uh, yeah, I totally agree. The first act is pretty slow. Um, but I don't know. I, just, I really think that the second act in particular uh, just has a lot of boxing, a lot of very high-energy scenes, and it really gets me hype. Uh, and in terms of rewatchability, it's a very rewatchable film. As long as you give it, you know, ample time uh, for you to kind of be, I don't know, like get it out of your head. I think it was a great rewatch. Um, yeah, 8%. Yeah, okay. Uh, overall technical achievement, which is out of 15. Um, you know, this film is very strong technically, and it's also very innovative. Um, the only thing that's really bringing it down for me is the soundtrack and a little bit cinematography, but just because of how revolutionary it is, this is getting a pretty high mark for me for technical achievement. Oh, yeah. Um, 
yeah, like really, it's just you know the soundtrack. You know, if they had um, just written a few more scores and put it into the film, this film would have the grade would have up for me so much more. Um, and you know, just a bit better foley work. That's really all this film needed. True. Um, but yeah, still getting a high percent for me. I'm giving it a thirteen out of fifteen for overall technical achievement. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, I gave it perfect marks in editing and only one down in cinematography. I think that technically speaking, this film is done extremely well. Uh, not perfect, especially looking back on it. It is 41 years old, um, but I think it won an Oscar for editing for a reason. And uh, yeah, I think it's probably the strongest edited film I've seen so far on our little podcast quest. So I'm giving it a 14% out of 15. Still not perfect. I don't know if a 15 will ever come. <laughs> cool, cool. Who knows? Who knows? Um, okay, that's great. So let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, uh, tally up our total percentage, and then get ready for next week's podcast. Spin that wheel. Oh, yeah. Okay, and we're back. Uh, we've tallied up our total percentage. Uh, yeah. What'd you, what'd, you, what'd you give the Raging Bull, Ben? Overall, I think it is a top three Scorsese film for me. I absolutely love this movie to death. Um, and I gave it an 88% overall. Very high. Whoa, Fourth highest score 88. for me so far. Not quite in the wow. 90s. Uh, but I think it holds up, and it's just a very, very solid film. Yeah, uh, this was my first time watching Raging Bull. I really enjoyed it. Uh, not quite as high up for me, but still a very solid film. I gave it an 84%. Um, so for me, that's tied with Parasite and just one lower uh, than Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. But I think if we're looking at this, when we average out our percentages, uh, we average out to an 86%, which means that it actually is one higher than Goodwill Hunting, which means Raging Bull has hit the fourth place tier um, yeah. for our rankings of our 11 movies so far. And I think it's well-deserved. This film holds up. This is the oldest film we've watched so far, uh, and it really just holds its own against a lot of the you know, modern cinematic movies out there in terms of look and even in terms of entertainment, in my opinion, so... Yeah, I think it's a mm -hmm. classic that everybody should go watch. Uh, actually, I mean, there's a lot of mature themes, so maybe not if you're a kid. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's it's rated R for for a reason. Uh, it, it's one it's one you have to watch at some point in your life. It's definitely yeah, one of those. Yeah, I films. think so. Uh, yeah. With that mm -hmm. being said, let's let's spin the wheel for next week. I am hyped. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's see what we're getting next week. Okay, I pulled up QuickTime Player. Uh, I got the wheel out. Gonna screen record and let's see what we're gonna get. Okay, we ready? Yeah. Okay, and we are spinning in three, two, one. Oh, what are we landing on? Oh. Very cool, very cool, very cool. I'm hyped for this. Yeah. Um, we have landed on uh, The Master. Oh, let's go. Oh, I love The Master. I've only seen it once. Paul Thomas Anderson's 
Yeah, me too. I saw it once about three years ago, and I'm I'm super excited actually to rewatch this film because yeah,、uh, the first time I watched it, I definitely don't think I understood it, and I still don't、I、really understand it. Definitely did not. And I really want to dive deep and analyze this film, dude. This is awesome. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. Oh yeah, we can do a full analysis segment.、Um, I mean, this is an incredible film. I think it's definitely Paul Thomas Anderson's masterpiece.、Uh, At least yeah, in terms of like a as an all around film,、uh, yeah, as an all around film, I think Boogie Nights、mm-hmm. is superior, just because I love <laughs> Boogie Nights.、Um, but the master is extremely well done, and Paul Thomas Anderson has said himself it's his favorite film that he's done, or you know his what he thinks is、mm-hmm. his best.、Uh, yeah, I got the、you、get to watch、uh, a beautiful performance by Walking Phoenix、oh, and、yeah. the late great. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Rest in、uh, peace. Got Amy Adams, Rami Malek,、uh, Jesse Plemons. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. It's gonna be a fun watch.、Uh, Jesse Plemons、yeah. is also let's, in. Let's、uh, I'm the... thinking ending things. So, you know, I love I love my boy. <laughs> um. Yeah, I got the plot summary here. Uh, okay. Cool. <clears throat> Freddie, a World War II veteran, is unable to deal with the post-war society. However, when he comes across a religious movement known as the Cause, he finds solace in it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Yes. And、uh, oh, despite this, despite this, this film being a box office failure,、um, it, it lost money. It's just, it's just good, and I think that a lot of people should be seeing this because it's just one of those films you gotta watch a few times. To understand, yeah, about that cult life, yeah, um,、mm. which maybe it kind of hits home for Joaquin Phoenix, and that's why he took the role. <laughs>、uh, yeah, it's on Prime Video, so everyone go watch The Master、um, for sure. But guys, thank you for listening.、Uh, this、yeah. was our twelfth podcast, which is awesome.、Um, that was Raging Bull. So、um, we'll see you all next week with The Master. Oh yeah, see you guys later. Thank you for listening to slightly qualified film students. Make sure to tune in next week for a new film discussion and review. Our theme song is "Slightly Sexy" by Thompson Springs. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a like. Send us feedback and comments, as well as your thoughts on the film. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at s underscore q underscore f underscore s. If you would like to send us a question or a comment for next week's episode, you can email us at. SQFilmStudents at gmail dot com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.